Teachers are a great blessing, and there was no greater teacher than Jesus. And if you're a teacher, you know that there's many different methods that you can use for teaching. And Jesus was known for being a storyteller. Now, I'm not a lot, uh, a big storyteller a whole lot, but Jesus was a storyteller, and he oftentimes spoke in what we call or what are referred to as parables. And a parable was a story that had a meaning, uh, it had a purpose and a point to it. And obviously, Jesus told stories and he used examples that people could relate to in that culture, in that day and in that time, and that's important. And Jesus oftentimes used illustrations that dealt with planting and harvesting crops because that was something that people understood. It was something they had experience with because then if you didn't plant it, you didn't eat it, right? But they understood that culture. And there was a lot of great truths that Jesus taught uh, about sowing and reaping and planting and harvesting and using that imagery. And oftentimes other authors in the scripture use imagery dealing with crops and sowing and reaping. And we're going to take some, uh, some time to look at that imagery over this week and the next in a series I've just simply called Planted. That's what we're going to call this two-part sermon series. And today's text, if you'll stand with me all over the room, today's text comes from the book of Luke. And Jesus is sharing a parable here. And the parable that he is sharing is known as the parable of the sower. And after we read the parable portion, we're going to jump down uh, to the portion of Scripture below that where Jesus explains the parable to the disciples. So the first part is found in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. And then we'll drop down to verses 11 through 15. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version today. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Drop down to verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. I want to talk to you for a few moments today about planted. Today is part one. We're going to do some personal soil testing today. If you will, pray with me and for me. Father, thank you for these precious people that are assembled together here today to hear your word and to worship you. We thank you for your presence we've already felt. And now, Lord, for the next few moments, I I feel, Lord, as the Apostle Paul said and the psalmist both said, I'm a worm and no man. Uh, I ask you today that uh, you would anoint these lips of clay to speak not my words but your words and that it would come forth today in the power and the demonstration of your spirit. I pray that you would anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what your word is speaking to us today. And Lord, ultimately, let all of us leave this place differently than we came because we've been in your presence and we've been changed by your word. 
We give you the glory, the honor, the praise for it in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Elizabeth. There's four types of soil here that Jesus mentions to us in this parable. And I want us to notice, first of all, that Jesus said the seed represents the Word of God. It's pretty obvious that the soil also represents the hearts of the people or the hearts of the hearer. Some soil or hearts were much more open and much more receptive to the Word of God than the others. But I want us to take a look today at all four soils that he talks about here, and I want us to do some personal soil testing, some personal, uh, if you will, evaluation as to whether or not our hearts are ready for the planting and the harvesting that God wants to do in each and every one of our lives. So the first soil that Jesus talks about is hardened soil. If you're writing these down, there's four. The first one is hardened soil. He says, some fell along the path and it was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Now, William Barclay, who is a Bible commentator, who honestly, I'll go ahead and disclose this for those of you that do study a lot, he's not one of my favorites because he's a universalist, and so we don't align in doctrine a lot of times. However, most Bible scholars will tell you when it comes to looking at the parables of Jesus, he's one of the very best for looking at details. So I did go look to see what he said, and I want to share some of this with you. William Barclay describes the kind of soil that there is in Palestine. Uh, and he says, the common ground in Palestine was split into long, narrow strips. And between the strips were paths, which were rights of way. And when the seed fell on these paths, which were beaten as hard as the road, it had no chance of penetrating the soil and getting in. And when I was in college and I was working my first banking job, one of my coworkers had a boxer dog. Anybody in here had a boxer? Ever had a boxer? I see a few uh, boxer owners in here. And I remember their, their house was nice, their front yard was really pretty, their backyard was fenced, uh, and that's where the boxer stayed. And you walked around the back of that house and you would see uh, big holes that that dog dug in places in the fence portion of the yard that he was in. But also you would see on the perimeter of the fence around the yard, uh, there was no grass all the way around the perimeter of the fence. And the, the ground was, was bare. He had wore the grass off of it and it was rock solid hard because the dirt was just packed in as tight as it could be uh, from the traffic from that dog. There wasn't anything that was ever gonna grow there unless they got rid of the dog or moved him and, and retilled the ground and sowed the seed there. And this is similar to the first kind of soil that Jesus is talking about today. This soil had been walked on and walked on to the point where it was so hard that when the seed fell along the path, there was no way that that seed was going to penetrate the ground and get in. And because the seed just laid on the top, on the surface of the soil, the Bible said the birds came and they snatched it away. Now the translation of this for us is this, if you have a hard heart, you have a closed mind for God's Word. If you have a hard heart, you have a closed mind 
for God's Word. Sometimes people have a hard heart for variant reasons. And one of those reasons may be because you've been walked on and walked on and you've been hurt until you've allowed your heart to become hard and calloused. But I want to tell you this morning, if you have a hard heart, you are not receptive to God's Word. You, you don't have an open mind to receive God's Word. In verse 12 of this main text this morning, here's what he said again. He said, those along the path are the ones who hear. And the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Can I tell you this morning, there is nothing worse than having a hard heart towards the word of God. Nothing. God's word is life. And when you reject the words of life, that can only mean the opposite, which is death. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 14 said, Blessed is the one who always trembles before God. Watch this. But whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. Walking down the path of a hard heart always leads us to trouble. Throughout all of history and throughout the Bible, Israel, which was always a type and a shadow, it was depicted as a type and a shadow of the church. And Israel had its most difficult times when they allowed their hearts to become hard to whatever it was that God wanted for them. And time after time, the people of Israel paid a heavy price for hardening their hearts toward God and what He wanted. And when Zechariah was trying to compel the current Israelites to make the right decisions, he talked about the past mistakes that their forefathers had made. In Zechariah chapter 7, verses 11 through 14, watch what he said. He said, but they, that's the people, that's Israel, refused to pay attention. Stubbornly they turned their backs and they covered their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or the words of the Lord Almighty that had been sent by His Spirit through earlier prophets. So, watch this. The Lord Almighty was very angry. Whoever said God doesn't get mad. The Lord Almighty was very angry. Verse 13. Here's what the Lord said. When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord Almighty. I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations where they were strangers. The land they left behind them was so desolate that no one traveled through it. This is how they made the pleasant land desolate. Israel, the top and shadow of the church, experienced captivity by the Babylons because of their hard hearts towards God and His Word and what God wanted for them. Zechariah used the word flint here because that was the hardest substance that they knew. And I want to tell you this morning, if you have hardened your heart toward, against what God wants for you, if you have hardened your heart towards the Word of God, it's a very dangerous path to walk along. And I hope and pray that this first soil that Jesus is telling us about this morning doesn't really describe anyone here. Because if so, the words that God is sharing to you today will likely have no effect on you unless, thank God for the unless, unless we allow, but we have to allow the Holy Spirit to break up the ground of our hardened hearts so that we can receive God's Word. The next type of soil that Jesus dealt with was what we know as rocky soil. And once again, according to Barclay, here's what he said. He said, this does not mean ground that was full of stones, but ground which was only a thin skin of earth over a shelf of limestone rock. Now, 
Angie and I have done some building and selling and things in and around Corbin over the years, and we've done a fair share of digging uh, in this area. And I want to tell you, Corbin and in and around the area has a lot of rocky ground, stony ground. Any of you that have ever built anything can probably testify to that. But the soil that Barclay says that Jesus was talking about was even worse than that. He said it was like the rock was the cake and the soil was the icing. There was just this thin layer of soil on top of solid rock. And you want to talk about being tough to plant a seed and for it to thrive and survive. It would be very difficult because it might grow for just a short amount of time, but it would never be able to establish enough roots for continued growth. I'm going to go somewhere with that. The message is this for people who compare to this soil. You may listen to God's Word, and you may be encouraged by God's Word, but you never put down roots for endurance. Look at what verse 13 of our main text said. He said, those on the rock are the ones who receive the Word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. One thing that you can be sure of, folks, is in this life, we will face difficulty. In this life, we will face times of testing. It's not a matter of, one writer said it this way, we are, everybody in this room is either in a storm right now, getting ready to go through a storm, or you've just come out of a storm. It's not a matter of if, you will face difficulty in this life. It's a matter of when. And if you don't have a deep root system, this is what he's talking about here. Because for those who have never put down deep spiritual roots in their walk with God, when storms come, many times it cripples their faith. I'm reminded of an illustration that Jesus gives about the wise and the foolish builders in Luke chapter 6 and verse 49. He says this, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Listen to me this morning. You can come to church and be encouraged by the Word of God. You can take comfort in what God's Word says. But if you fail to put this Word into practice in your life, it will not do you any good when the storm comes. Plants that stand the test of time are those that are rooted far enough and deep enough into the soil that the storms that are happening above ground are not going to destroy them in the end because they have deep root systems. And I'm going to be honest with you. I believe there's a lot of people that can re relate to this soil. There's some of people that can relate to this that may not even be going to church right now because at one time they were coming to a church at least on maybe Sunday mornings and they were encouraged by the worship and they maybe they enjoyed the pastor's messages but for some reason they never applied the Word of God to their daily lives they never really had a personal relationship with Jesus that he desires to have with us and when the storm came into their lives they were devastated and they blamed God. Some of you know people that have blamed God for things that happen in their life. And you know what? There, may, there might even be some that are like that that are here this morning. You come to church. And for the most part, you enjoy the worship, the messages, and the encouragement of the Scripture. 
but you've not set down any roots. You're so shallow in your faith that if a good storm blew into your life, we may not see some of you for a while. When your faith is rooted and it's strong enough and you're really receptive to allowing the Word of God to change you. Can I tell you, that's a problem in the modern church world today. A lot of us don't like to admit that we all need to change. I said we all need to change. Newsflash, your pastor's got things about him that need to change. And my wife said amen, praise God. We've all got things that need to change. And when, when we are really receptive and allow the Word of God to change us, it's evident in our life. You know why? Because our soil will produce a crop. There will be fruit that we bear. And when you don't, you don't. John chapter 15 and verse 4, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, remain in me as I also remain in you. Watch this. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain connected in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And I want to tell you this morning, if your faith is shallow and you're not rooted into an ongoing relationship with Jesus, you'll be fruitless and you'll be in trouble when the storms of life come. Perseverance doesn't happen when your soil is shallow. You can't stand the test of time when you're working with shallow dirt. You can be encouraged and full of joy by what you hear from the scriptures and the, the great church service and the worship. And some of you are like, oh, he's teaching today. I wish it was, I wish everybody was just praising the Lord in here. You, you like those times and that's wonderful. Those times are wonderful. I like them probably better than you do. But we need to take time to grow some deep roots so that when the storms of life do come, we'll stand the test, we'll persevere through that. Listen, we have to do what the Word says because if we don't actually do it, we're just fooling ourselves. You know what James said? Don't just be hearers of the Word, be doers of the Word. The third kind of soil that Jesus mentions is thorny soil, soil that's full of thorns. Here's what Barclay had to say about that. He said, the ground which was full of thorns was ground which at the moment, watch this, looked, it looked clean enough. It's possible to make any bit of ground look clean simply by turning it over, tilling it. But the seeds of the weeds and the fibrous roots of the wild grasses had been left in it. The good seeds and the weeds grew together, but the weeds grew more strongly, and so the life was choked out of the good seed. Once again, the translation for us is this. You hear God's word, but you have allowed the busyness and the worries of this life to choke the things of God out. And once again, Jesus put it this way back in our main text in verse 14. Jesus put it this way. He said, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. They do not mature. For those of you, I, I'm going I'm to say this before I even say this, because I said it at 8.45, so it's not, like, uh, it's not like I'm just doing it on the spur of the moment, doing this part first. But I want to say this. How many of you did not come from a Pentecostal background? Let me see your hands. 
did not look around did not come from a Pentecostal background, most of you in this room. You're probably gonna like what I'm gonna say, and those of you that didn't raise your hands are probably not gonna like what I'm gonna say. But here's one of the things I've learned. By and large, a lot of Pentecostals are spiritually immature. They haven't matured and grown deep, deeply rooted in the Lord. A lot of times, they're more emotional by nature, and they fly off the handle a lot easier. The waitresses in the local restaurants know some of you by name, and they see you coming. They hide in the kitchen and say, I'm not waiting on them. It would do us good. You know, we do good. We do good with the Spirit of the Lord and allowing Him to move and all that, but a lot of times we fail at being discipled and becoming truly mature Christians. Here's what the Word said here. They do not mature. Now, everybody knows we live in a material world, there's no doubt, right? And our kids are, for the most part, grown. Abby's on her own payroll, thank you, Jesus. Um, I'm just teasing, but I'm not. <laughs> but those of you that are still raising kids, you know what it's like when they're like, I want this, and I want that because so-and-so has this and so-and-so has that. And most of the time, the shoes are $150 and the jeans are $90. And, you know, they want this and that. We live in a material society. Now, I'm going to tell my age because when I was growing up, my mama used to look at me and she would say, we don't try to keep up with the Smiths and the Joneses. Can I get a witness? If you're a Smith or a Jones, no pun intended. Amen. But that's what she used to say to us. She, she taught us, you know, this... This world that we live in, we live in a culture that is so obsessed with having more and more and more. And then we have this thing called social media that people look at, and some folks like to make their lives look like fairy tales. Can I, anybody know what I'm talking about? Everything always looks perfect. And for some reason, I, I said at 845, it don't bother the men as much because we could care less. But a lot of times the women get all tore up because I want my house to look like hers. I want my hair to look like hers. I want my makeup to look like hers. I want this, I want that. You know what, you know what comparison is? Ladies and men, comparison is the thief of joy. That's what comparison is. And can I tell you that 99.9% .9 of the time, that's all fake anyway. You're not seeing the ugliness of the pictures. You're not seeing uh, the other things that are out there. But we live in a culture that's so obsessed with having more and more. And for that to become a reality, we got to work more and more, right? Or harder. We got to do this or we got to do that. And I've never seen a time where young ladies feel like they're not enough. They, they feel like they're not pretty enough. They're not, I, I've never seen a time where it's more like that, and I think social media has a lot to do that. But with that. But it's our culture, and it's our society that we live in. But I want to tell you something else. There are people that have become so strapped by all of these different things of lives and fulfilling their dreams and all of these different pleasures that they've crowded out room for God in their life. You have to make room for God in your life. I said something at 8.45, I'm going to say again. And I, as I told them at 8.45, I'm going to tell you, this is not going to help boost us to the next attendance level. 
It's not going to be a major statement that, that garners a whole lot of growth. Let me, let me cover it numerically. Spiritually, maybe so, but numerically. Let me preface it with this. I love sports, too. I, I watched the game last night, too. I did not like the fact that UT beat Alabama, either. Because I'm not a UT fan. Can I get a witness in the house this morning? Now, we, got some, we got some UT fans around here, but that's okay. I believe you're still going to go to heaven. That's all right. But let me say this. I have to say this. Parents, when it comes to sports, dance, cheer, whatever it might be, do not keep your child out of church for an entire summer and then wonder why they don't have a relationship with God. I'm not saying it's a sin. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with participating in those things. Uh, but here's what I am saying. Don't keep your children out of church for an entire summer and then wonder why they don't have a relationship with God. Now here's something else I'll just say. We'll probably talk about it at staff retreat in January. I don't know. We may go to 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. We've done 6.30 for years so that we'd be out at 7.45 and you could leave and be home and have your kids at home by 8 o'clock and get ready for bed, for school the next day, all that good stuff. We might move to 7 o'clock because I know some have a hard time getting here after practices and all that, but I'm going to throw this out there too. When a parent... When parents start going to coaches and saying, Wednesday night is church night at our house, we'll change the culture that we live in. As long as we succumb to the pressure, we won't change the culture. But when we say, we go to church on Wednesday nights, I got to have whatever time. If we go to seven, you got to have them by six so they can get a shower, please give them a shower. I mean, get them here anyway. If you, I mean, I don't have to smell them. Nicholas and Caitlin and Dwight and Darla do, but get them here anyway. But we can change that culture. But can I tell you, in order to change that culture, we have to make a choice ourselves. We have to choose that we are not going to allow things to crowd God out of our lives. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. And I'm going to skip over some of what I had in my notes. You know, sometimes people get so committed to material things that they, it's, it's not, there's nothing wrong if you have to work on Sunday. But I'm going to say this, since I talked about the other stuff, I'm going to say this. If you're volunteering for it every Sunday just because it's overtime, you're choosing to crowd God out of your life and your family's life. Oh, some of y'all ain't helping me up in this Presbyterian church this morning. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, here's what Jesus said. No man can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now listen, God knows we need money to survive in this world that we live in. That's, that's a fact. He knows that we have to have food and clothes, and clothes and all of these things, but I don't think he's convinced that we have to have all the other things that sometimes we work ourselves to death thinking that we have to have especially when the desire for those other things seems to take us away from our time and our devotion to God. If we simply put Christ first in our life, our needs will be met. How many believe that? Yes. Amen. 
Matthew 6, 25 through 27, and then I'll get to the fourth soil. Matthew 6, 25 through 27, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? That's easier said than done because I know what it's like to worry myself. But why do we worry about having to have all kinds of other things when really what we need to do is slow down and meet with God ourselves on a regular basis? If the only time you read this word, worship and pray, is when you come to church, you've got shallow roots. I'll be honest with you, I can worship better by myself a lot of times than I can in church. Because I worry about things that may be going on or, or somebody's sick or all kinds of different things. But you need to slow down and take time to get alone with God for yourself. Whatever comes into your life and chokes out your spiritual walk with the Lord is not worth it. Those things are nothing but weeds in our life that need to be pulled out so spiritual growth can take place. The last soil that Jesus uses in his parable is simply really good soil. It was free of the weeds and the shallowness and the other things that prevented the other soils from being productive. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that this soil, listen to this, produced a hundred times more than what was sown. That's pretty awesome. So this means for us, you receive God's word, then you put that word into action. When you do that, you'll lay down roots that last. In our main text, in verse 15, he said, but the seed of the good soil stands for those who with a noble heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Jesus said, this soil stands for those who hear the word and retain it. And when you retain it, you won't just hold it in, you'll put it into action in your life. When you retain the word of God, when the storms come, because they will, you will withstand those storms and you'll depend on the promises of God's word. You won't be like those who are encouraged and receive joy from the word of the Lord, yet they never apply it to their lives and set down roots. Listen, the more you retain God's word and put it into action, the deeper your roots will grow and the stronger you will become. James chapter one, verses two through four. James said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, there it is again, and complete, not lacking anything. I go back to the story that Jesus was talking about with the wise and the foolish builders, and I'm almost finished. Jesus made it clear that those who hear his words but fail to put them into action will not make it through the storms. Per perseverance will not happen for them. But then he says in verses 47 through 48 of Luke chapter 6, he said, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. When you have the spiritual soil, when your heart is absorbent to God's word and you put it into action, you will withstand and you will persevere and it will help to make you mature and complete as a believer in Jesus Christ, just like James said. And my hope and my prayer today is that 
this is the soil that best represents most of us this morning. Because this is really the soil that will make you productive as a believer. Jesus said it yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. That's productive. I thought about two weeks ago, and they can go ahead and come to the music this morning. I thought about two weeks ago how we, how we had over 400 people that worshiped with us on Friends and Family Day. You know why? Because you invited them to come. Some of them are still returning. Some of them have had change in their life. What if we received a hundred times more production than we sowed? Because the ultimate goal is to be productive for the kingdom of God. Listen, if they come to Freedom Point Church, that's great. But this is not about Freedom Point Church. Freedom Point Church, though, is about the kingdom of God. If you really want to be somebody that brings joy to the heart of God and be somebody whose life plays a vital part in bringing others to the kingdom, then we need to make sure we have soil like this, that we truly soak in the Word of God and then apply what's soaked in by putting it into action. But listen, here's the good news this morning. If this soil doesn't describe you, you can change your dirt. Anybody ever repotted anything? Put it in fresh dirt, larger pot, throw some good miracle grow in there, and watch it take off and grow. If this soil doesn't describe you this morning, you can change your dirt. You simply just ask God to change your heart and make you open to whatever changes He wants to make in your life. Because there's change that needs to take place every single one of us in our walk with the Lord it's necessary that we have the right kind of soil to receive what God wants to plant inside of us and when he does we will be the ones that reap the harvest of blessing from that fully cultivated seed that gets planted down inside us we don't want to be like those who never grow and develop into what God intended for them to be what a waste of time that would be what a waste of time it would be to spend your life going to church every Sunday and never having a personal relationship with Jesus. It's my heart's desire that we could all grow deeper and stronger in Him. If you'll stand with me all over the room today. When the Lord woke me up this week, I forget which night it was, which morning it was, about 3 o'clock in the morning, I just heard Him speaking to me saying, planted be planted I laid there and I thought about that for a while and eventually I went back to sleep and then I got up between 5.30 and 6 and I went downstairs and got my coffee and got my Bible and I sat down and I began to read I was thinking about being planted and I want, I want to share with you a treasure that I read in the word of God that just spoke to me and I hope it speaks to you like it spoke to me but in the book of Psalms chapter 92 and I'm going to close with this this morning Verses 12 and 13. Watch this. He said, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. 
Now, there's a lot of things about a palm tree that's significant. I may talk some about that next week and also about a cedar. He said they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Watch this. Planted in the house of the Lord. And they will flourish in the courts of our God. I want you to notice something. Leave that one on the screen there for me, please, Brother Eric. It doesn't say periodically in the house of the Lord. It doesn't say momentarily in the house of the Lord. It doesn't say inconsistently in the house of the Lord. It says planted in the house of the Lord. If I go out into my yard and I plant a tree, Unless I dig it up and move it, that tree will always be there. And it will grow stronger, taller, and its roots will grow deeper if it's planted in my yard. When we are truly planted, and I believe the Lord has planted many of you here today. When we are truly planted in the house of the Lord, we will flourish in the courts of our God. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be planted because I want to flourish. Does anybody else want that this morning? So I never make an altar call without saying this. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's a room full of people here right now that can testify and will testify to you that Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Don't leave here today without him when we open this altar. But also when this altar is open this morning, I want to know how many people will just come down front, join us and gather with me, kneel in a place of prayer and say, God, I want my soil to be the kind of soil you want me to have. I want to be planted in your house and flourish in the courts of our God. If that's you today, Pastor Nicholas is going to sing. I'm going to pray. I want to invite as many people that will to come down and join me today. Spend just a few moments in a time of prayer.